0: Well, in November of 2021, my mom moved in with Ken and I. And she was having increasing problems with her memory so that it became apparent that it was no longer wise for her to live independently. If you've ever had someone move into your home with you for an extended period of time, you're probably aware that there can be challenges with those types of circumstances. We were fortunate because my mom is incredibly sweet, very grateful, and amazingly flexible. I considered it a privilege to care for her. But a couple of months ago, it became obvious to everyone in our family that our home was no longer the best place for mom to live. And so we began to make plans for a transition. If you know someone with Alzheimer's disease, you know that it's a tough disease. It's hard to not have your mind work right. And it's more than not being able to remember things. People with Alzheimer's struggle with all kinds of different things related to their mind. They struggle with anxiety, with depression, they can have delusions, And they can also experience personality changes. One of the struggles that my mom has is that she has anxiety about losing her belongings. And so six weeks ago when it was time for her to move to a memory care facility, we knew that packing up her belongings would be something that would be incredibly stressful for her and would therefore be something that we would have to do very quickly. And so we packed up all of my mom's things in less than two hours. My son, Eric, helped us with that. And while he was boxing up some of her knickknacks, her photos, her wall hangings, uh, various things, and he had the box nearly packed when he ran into a problem, and Eric held up the last picture. Um, It was a picture of the head of Jesus. You may have seen uh, a picture like that before. It's it's rather common. A lot of people have these. It looks something like this. Um, And holding up this picture for me to see, Eric said to me, Mom, what do you want me to do with this one? Jesus doesn't fit in the box. Well, I didn't immediately respond. It was one of those moments where I had so many things going on in my mind and I was trying so hard to hurry that it was just like a pause moment. And I just kind of froze and I didn't know what to say. And then Eric got this grin on his face and he said, I guess you just can't put Jesus in a box, can you? Um, And then we we both laughed and I said to Eric, Eric, that's going to be in one of my sermons sometime. Well, today's the day. Uh, Today, we are looking at how to not put Jesus in a box, and we're looking at that through the story of Nathaniel's encounter with Jesus. I picked this story to preach on because I have never heard a sermon on Nathanael. I don't know if you have or you haven't, but I feel like this isn't a popular story. It's interesting to me. It's not at all like the story of Zacchaeus, um, which is widely known. Um, And so I felt like this would be scripture that would be kind of interesting to explore. It would be interesting to discover what we can learn from this story with Nathanael. So the, the first thing that I learned in, in preparing for this message is that Nathaniel is a puzzling character. I got a little frustrated trying to figure out what's happening in this story. I did research to better understand it and over and over again I kept coming up to, with the, the, the cautionary statement made by biblical scholars that they just aren't sure how to interpret this story. And if scholars can't figure it out, what was I supposed to do, putting together a sermon that I would be able to share with you, uh, trying to find things that we can learn from this story? How can we identify with Nathaniel? Um, You know, and it's just a little hard. When we looked at Peter, you probably liked Peter. A lot of people like Peter. We can identify with him because he has this habit of putting his foot in his mouth, a habit of getting ahead of himself, allowing his enthusiasm to carry him away. And while he isn't perfect, we find ways in which we can learn from Peter. uh, Because Peter became a key leader in the church. And he's a good example for us in many ways. Um, and then we also, in this series, have looked at Pilate, Pontius Pilate. You, f- you probably don't like Pilate. I don't know anyone who does. He's kind of like a bad example in the Gospels because he caved in to pressure from the crowd. He failed to do what was right. What We get a sense he knew what was right, but he just didn't do it. And so we can learn from him too, but what we learn from him is what not to do. He's kind of a negative example for us. But what about Nathaniel? I have a lot of questions about this story because it's not neat and tidy, which is the way I like things. But then again, I have to remember that you just can't put Jesus in a box. So I started by wondering who is this guy? I mean, what. What do we know about him? His name doesn't appear in any of the other gospels. If you look at the lists of the 12 disciples in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke, you don't see the name Nathaniel. Many scholars believe that Bartholomew, who does appear in the list of the 12 disciples in those other gospels, that Bartholomew is Nathaniel, that they're the Different names for the same person but we don't know that for sure. Um, what we do know is that Nathaniel does reappear in the Gospel of John at the very end in chapter 21 when Jesus makes a post-resurrection appearance to his disciples after they were fishing all night. And so we, we don't know much about Nathaniel but we do know that he continued to follow Jesus after this encounter in the, gosp- in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. I also kind of wondered, as I read this story, about his question. He starts out with saying, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And I wondered, why does he say that? Was he being sarcastic or was he being appropriately skeptical? What do you think? I was curious about this encounter with the fig tree and that what was he do? Why was he sitting under the fig tree? What was he doing while he was there? Was he studying scripture? Uh, In biblical times, sometimes rabbis would sit under a fig tree and study scripture, but we don't know that Nathaniel was a rabbi, so maybe he was studying scripture, maybe he was doing something else. And what did Jesus mean to him when he said? Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Was Jesus being serious? Was he complimenting Nathanael? Or was he kind of poking fun and kind of making a joke with Nathanael? Some people think that he was, that Jesus was making a joke with this comment because remember that Nathanael is an Israelite and the Israelites are descendant from Jacob and Jacob was famous for being a deceiver. And so in response to Nathanael's statement, nothing good can come from Nazareth, maybe Jesus is poking fun back and saying, okay, if you're going to say that, uh, that nothing good can come from Nazareth, let me remind you that you're an Israelite and the Israelites are named after a person who is known for his deceit. If nothing can come from Nazareth, then how can you, a person in whom there is no deceit, come from an ancestor known for his deceit? I don't know, what do you think Jesus meant by this comment? Puzzling over these questions, I realize that Jesus' encounter with Nathaniel reveals the power of a story. The Bible includes all kinds of writings. It includes law, prophecy, poetry, letters. And I would expect that the parts that we know and we love the best are the stories. The story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the story of Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt and into the Promised Land, the story of the birth of Jesus, the story of the feeding of the 5,000, which we looked at with Pastor Matt last week. Stories are powerful because they are memorable and also because they are just so rich in meaning. Think about the story of Jesus' birth. Every Christmas, we read that story. And why do we keep reading it when we know what's going to happen? I think it's because God speaks to us through these stories. And no matter how many times we have heard them, God continues to speak to us through them because every time we hear the story, we're at a different place in our life and we have different needs. And so the story invites us to enter in to consider where we are in this place in God's story. So as we look at Nathanael's encounter with Jesus, we aren't going to come up with a simple, clear-cut meaning. And at the end, there is not going to be an action step that every one of us needs to take. Instead, I wanna look at the story of Nathanael without telling you what it means, without putting Jesus in a box. And that may frustrate you, just as it has frustrated me. But my hope is, is that by doing that, it will allow us to enter the story, to view the story from your unique vantage point and receive from the story an interpretation that is both faithful to God's message and helpful to your relationship with Jesus. So, if you have your Bible with you, I'm going to invite you to look with me at chapter one. And uh, before we get to this story, just glance back in your Bible in chapter one and look for the very first thing that Jesus says in the Gospel of John. And if you have a red letter Bible, that's really easy to do. Just look for the red letters. And what you're going to find is that the very first thing Jesus says is a question. It's a question in chapter one, verse 38, when he asks two disciples who are following him, what do you want? (laughs) What do you want from Jesus? That will, because knowing that will shape your experience when you encounter Jesus. So think about, go back to Peter and to Pilate. Peter sincerely wanted to follow Jesus. But after denying Jesus three times in his moment of greatest need, after witnessing Jesus die on the cross, Peter didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do next. And so when he encountered Jesus on the beach after fishing all night, what he wanted was direction for what to do next. And that is what Jesus gave him. Jesus gave him a commission to feed his sheep. Think about Pilate. What did Pilate want from Jesus? Well, I think he just wanted to wash his hands of him. I think he just wanted to get rid of Jesus and not have to deal with him. And so what he experienced from Jesus, he experienced Jesus as a problem to be dealt with. Which leads us to Nathaniel in this passage. What does Nathanael want? From Jesus, we don't know a lot about Jesus, but or Nathaniel, but he doesn't exactly strike me as Mr. Congeniality. He actually seems a little bit prickly to me. He doesn't seem to have high expectations of Jesus. No, he had questions and he had doubts. How could Jesus of Nazareth be the Messiah? And how does he know me? But Nathanael, despite his questions, doesn't close his mind. See, he's willing to take Philip up on his invitation to come and see, to give Jesus a chance. And when he does, Jesus blows his mind because Nathanael catches a glimpse of Jesus's supernatural power because he was willing to engage his skepticism. And Jesus says to him effectively at the very end of this story, you ain't seen nothing yet. So if you have a question about Jesus, if you want to be able to ask hard questions, I think what this story shows us is that Jesus includes skeptics like Nathaniel and like you. This passage ends with Jesus describing his supernatural power. He talks about the heavens opening up and the angels of God ascending and descending. It's, uh, it's kind of like Jacob's ladder and that vision back in Genesis 28, but it's, it's even more incredible. And maybe that's what Nathaniel wanted. Maybe he wanted an experience of the Holy Spirit at work in his life. Maybe he had grown tired of religion, and what he wanted was to experience God. Martin Lloyd-Jones is a famous Welsh preacher, and he believes that Nathaniel isn't a skeptic. He thinks that Nathaniel is instead an example of how to exercise our mind and use our knowledge of Scripture to determine what is of God. So Jones thinks that when Nathanael asks, can anything good come out of Nazareth, that Nathanael isn't being sarcastic. Nathanael's asking that because Nathanael knew the scriptures. When Philip says to him earlier in the passage, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, it is Jesus of Nazareth. Well, Nathan there were warning bells going off in Nathaniel's mind because he maybe right here what he's doing is appropriately challenging Philip's statement because Nathaniel knew that there was nothing that Moses and the prophets wrote about that would suggest that the Messiah would come from Nazareth. Nathaniel knew that what the prophet said was that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So maybe Nathaniel isn't being sarcastic. Maybe he's being prudent. Maybe he's appropriately questioning what Philip is saying to him. At this time, there were false prophets popping up all over the time, people saying, I'm the Messiah. And there would be people who would follow them, uh, seeking the coming of that Messiah, because they were anticipating that. Maybe Nathaniel is an example of someone who isn't gonna fall for sensationalism, someone who knew and remembered what the scriptures said about the Messiah. And yet, he's someone who still has hope, because he allows for the possibility That God's spirit is at work in unusual ways that he can't understand, and he's willing to accept Philip's invitation, come and see. And because he does that, he has an encounter with God. Martin Lloyd-Jones believes that Nathaniel shows us that we must both avoid fanaticism and with equal care, avoid quenching the Spirit. That in this story, maybe you find a role model for how you can live out the scriptures in a way that allows the Holy Spirit to be at work among us and in us doing new things. If you chose, if you have um, been watching the TV series, The Chosen, you may know that Dallas Jenkins, who is the director of The Chosen, has another interpretation of this story. It's an interpretation that involves some creative liberty, but he portrays Nathaniel as a godly man whose dreams were crushed and who questions what it means for him to serve God. And in this episode of The Chosen, Jesus redeems Nathaniel and he gives him a new purpose for his life, a purpose involving following Jesus. This episode in The Chosen is an especially tender episode with an especially tender encounter between Jesus and Nathaniel because Dallas chose to have the character of Nathaniel tell his own story. Before The Chosen came to be, Dallas was an inspiring filmmaker and he was approached by a top Hollywood executive interested in creating faith-based movies. And when he was approached, he was offered a 10-year filmmaking deal. That would have been a dream come true. It was a fulfillment of his sense of call, of what he would do for God. And so Dallas excitedly signed the deal, and he went went to work to make his very first film, which was titled The Resurrection of Gavin Stone. Have you seen that film? Not many people did. Uh, the first weekend that it was at the box office, it bombed, and it humbled Dallas, and he said, in two hours, I went from being a director with a very bright future, to who'd finally made it in Hollywood, to a director with no future. That failure crushed Dallas, but God wasn't done with him. As Dallas and his wife prayed for direction, God reminded him of God's supernatural power and the ability to do impossible math. And The Chosen TV series was the new purpose that God had for Dallas. And just as Nathaniel experienced Jesus' supernatural power to see him under the fig tree, Dallas experienced the power of God in an amazing response to crowdfunding of The Chosen. Even before all of season one was completed and released, people gave over $10 million to fund this project. When he was in the pit, what Dallas Jenkins wanted from Jesus was a way to understand how to use his passion and his talents to serve God. And so what Dallas sees in this story is that Nathaniel shows us that Jesus gives his followers purpose what do you see in the story? I see a tender encounter between Jesus and a man who longed to follow God. Nathaniel may be a skeptic, but I don't see him that way. I see him as a man who loved the truth. And I see Jesus looking into Nathaniel's eyes and telling him, That he is what he most wants to be, a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. I would love to see Nathaniel's face when Jesus said that to him. The surprise, the relief, the joy. That I don't think we can know who we really are until we encounter Jesus. We are not self-made people thinking that we have to create our own identity is crushing a whole lot of people today. Tim Keller says Christianity is the only identity that is received, not achieved. Encountering Jesus and being seen by Jesus makes allows Nathanael to see who he truly is. And once Nathanael can see who he truly is, He sees who Jesus truly is. He is the Son of God, the King of Israel. But that's only the beginning, right? Because Jesus says to Nathanael, you will see greater things than this. Is this a story about skepticism? Is it about searching the scriptures to find the balance between fanaticism and quenching the spirit? Is it about God redeeming your purpose? Or is it about Jesus? revealing your identity? I don't know. Perhaps it's about all of those things. What I do know is that you can't put Jesus in a box, that he defies neat categories. He can't be reduced to simple points, that he interacts with each one of us differently and individually, and that his identity is more full than any name can convey. And as John writes, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. So going back to that first question Jesus asks in the Gospel of John, what are you looking for? Jesus' invitation to Philip and Philip's invitation to Nathaniel is come and see. Are you skeptical today of Jesus in any way? Come and see. Have you grown weary of religion and long? for an experience of God's supernatural power? Come and see. Do you need your purpose, redeemed, restored, or revealed? Come and see. Do you need Jesus to reveal your identity, to show you who you really are? Come and see. Today, enter into the Jesus story. Let the one who defies categories the one you can't put in a box, meet you exactly where you are, just like he did with Nathaniel. Amen.